0: So I guess as most of you know, I was on vacation last week and during that time I had some free time. And I began to watch this TV series that's streaming online now called The Chosen. A lot of people in our church had asked me had I seen that and told me it was very well done. And so I thought I'd watch it. It's the story of Jesus and it tells, uh, really, it tells the story from the perspective of the disciples and some of the ladies that followed Jesus in those early days. And it's well done, I think. It has a lot of Bible stuff in it. Uh, not everything in there is out of the Bible because a lot of times that they have to fill in the gaps on how Jesus got from one place to another or, or what led up to the stories that we have in the Bible. But I think it's very well done, and there's a lot of Bible stuff in there. And for sure, it will cause you to say, wow, Is that the way it happened in the Bible? And it'll cause you to get into the Bible and read the Bible and think about it. But one of the things that as I watched that series came to light about the ministry of Jesus is why he came. You know, his early disciples thought he's going to be the Messiah. He's going to kick the Romans out, take over Jerusalem, and bring us back to the prominence we had. But over and over again, he told them he did not come to defeat the Romans. The purpose that Jesus came was to call sinners to turn themselves back to God. That's why he came. To bring sinners back to God. People that had drifted from God to bring them back. And over and over again, he makes that point in this series. You know, I was reminded as I was thinking about that as I, as I went through watching that series... I was reminded over and over again, if we want to change the world, if you want to make the world a better place, you bring more people to Jesus. Truly bring them to Jesus. That's what's going to change people's lives. But something else I thought about in thinking about that is so many people in this world don't know Jesus. They don't know the real Jesus. They don't know the real gospel, the truth about Jesus and why he came. They have misconceptions about his church. And the third thing that came to mind, you can't ram Jesus down anybody's throat. You can't do it. It will push people away. And so we have to figure out ways to get the message of Jesus out to the people that don't know him, people that are unchurched and don't know about his church and why his church is here. And that is part of our job as believers in Jesus Christ, to reach out, and help people come to know Jesus Christ. Um, and people have questions. You know, have you, have you ever noticed, if you, if you really, if people know you're religious, they usually will ask you a question about church or your faith or religion. People want to know. Often they're embarrassed to ask questions or they, or they don't know what to ask, but, but they have questions. And questions need answers. You know, I heard about this guy that was visiting this town. And while he was visiting this town, uh, he wanted to go to the next town. And so he found this guy sitting on his front porch, elderly man. And he figured this guy lived there all of his life. He'd know the way to get to the next town. And he said, sir, can you tell me the fastest way, the quickest way to get to the next town? And the elderly gentleman looked at him and he said, well, he thought for a minute. Are you gonna be walking or are you gonna be driving? And the visitor said, Well, I'm gonna be driving. He said, That would be the quickest way. (laughs) Now he answered the question, but he did not give the information that the that the visitor really needed or wanted. And you know, a lot of times we're like that in the church. We give out some information, but we don't really give the information that people need. And we need as a church to give people the answer, the real answer, to the questions that they have. be honest with you, the church as a whole has not done a good job of getting the answers about Jesus out to the communities in which we live. There's an episode of Seinfeld. I know many of you used to be hooked on that show, and in this one scene, uh, Elaine who was a good friend of, of Seinfeld was talking with her boyfriend and she asked him do you believe in God? He said yes I do she said is it a problem for you that, that I'm not religious sarcastically he said no it's not a problem for me and she said what does that mean? he said I'm not the one going to hell you know very straightforward blunt answer and, and but a lot of times in the church that's the way we are oh well, it's not a problem for me that these people don't know God and we can become very apathetic about people outside the church who don't know Jesus Christ, who don't know what faith is who don't know that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and the way to get to heaven we as a church, I hope, can do something about that at least here in our community. So we're going to begin a series today, and it's about our outreach efforts as a church. I want to introduce you this next week to something called Pray and Go. This week and the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this. And this is a year-long effort, uh, a program established by an organization, a parachurch organization, called Church Answers that helps and assists church in growing their ministries. It's used by a number of churches throughout America. We're not the only one or the first ones to do this. Uh, It's a campaign that we're going to start. And Dennis Holbrook here is going to be our campaign chairman. He's going to come up and share with you some things here in just a minute. But we're beginning a series today called Pray and Go. And we're going to talk today about the power of prayer... Are about the call to pray. And then next week, we're going to talk about the power of prayer. And then the week after that, we're going to talk about the call to go and what that means. And today, we're going to think about prayer. And I raise this question, how does prayer relate to our outreach efforts? You know, personally, I don't think any ministry in the church will be as effective as it could be without prayer backing that ministry. Someone said we ought to pray as if everything depended on prayer, and we ought to work as if everything depended on our efforts. Pray and go will depend on us, on me, on you, on Dennis. Pray. It will depend on us. In our prayer time, we pray specifically for the things that we're going to talk to you about it will also depend on all of our efforts as we go about uh, accomplishing this campaign Dennis is going to come and share a couple of things here with us about the pray and go campaign
1: pray and go it's it's that simple we've got door hangers they're really good-looking front of them we prayed for you central Christian on the back we love our community so we're praying for our community and then our contact info in case people want to reach out to us who can do this everybody you don't have to evangelize anybody you don't need to quote scripture all you need to do is number one pray there's nobody in here that can't support this endeavor through prayer we ask you to start today to pray for our pray and go campaign the go these door hangers are designed to be distributed through your neighborhood your workplace wherever wherever you have contact with folks we're going to initially start by outreach around each of our own homes and and our neighborhoods as we get a little further into this we'll have teams that will then be beginning to try to canvas some of the neighborhoods where we may not have a presence where we may not have touch with people so it's simple 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 we pray and we go if you happen to end up having a conversation with somebody along the way hey you just met a friend but you don't you know you're not presenting the gospel you don't have to you don't have to feel that you're not qualified All we're doing is reaching out to folks and saying, we care about you enough that we're praying for you. We'd like to see you take a look at us. Or, in all honesty, if this drives somebody to say, maybe I need to go back to my church, whatever it is, you know, God will work behind this. Our job is to pray for it and then to put some legs to it and see what we can do with it. We've had 5,000 of these door hangers printed. Uh, as soon as you use those up, we'll get some more. So today we're going to think about the prayer
0: aspect of this, and we're going to focus on prayer. I repeat the question, how does prayer relate to our outreach efforts? You know, when you pray for somebody, when you tell somebody I'm praying for you, that lets them know that you care about that person. And, and we need to care. You know, people don't know how much you know until they know how much you care you probably heard that before but that is a very true statement so we want to pray I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 we do have our pew bibles back in the pew once again so you can turn in the new testament to Matthew chapter 6 Uh, we'll start there at at verse 5 this is part of Jesus' sermon on the mount Uh, the sermon on the mount comes to us in Matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 And we're going to focus on this one little section here. In the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6, Jesus talks about some very practical things, some practical aspects of Christianity. And he talks about giving and prayer and fasting and greed and worry. But we're going to focus just on this idea of prayer from this passage here in Scripture. So we'll begin at verse 5 and read through verse 8. And when you pray... Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. The first thing I want you to think about is, God expects we will pray regularly about our part in His kingdom. Notice Jesus says here, when you pray. Not if you pray. He says when you pray. He expects that you're going to do it. That I'm going to do it. That we're all going to put some effort into praying about the kingdom. Down in verse 10, we're going to read in just a minute. He says to pray about God's kingdom coming and His will be done. So God wants us to be involved in His kingdom work and, and what He wants for that kingdom. You know, so many people look at Christianity and they think, oh, it's just about me getting to heaven. just about me in heaven. You know, I'm a Christian. Uh, God doesn't expect anything from me just to believe that Jesus died for my sins and I'm going to heaven but that's not what Jesus calls us to not just to get to heaven Jesus calls us to be part of his kingdom in fact he says I want you to be a disciple of mine a disciple is a student of Jesus a follower of his way and part of being that disciple is praying regularly now Jesus is calling us in this text to pray. Now, this doesn't say anything. This this text is not teaching us not to pray in public. There are other places in the Bible where it encourages us to pray in public. But the Pharisees would go out often in public. They would stand up in their synagogue, which was the, the gathering place of the Jewish worship, and they would pray so people would see them. You know, here we have a picture of some Pharisees, and they wore this special garb, certain hats that identified them as Pharisees, and they kind of looked at themselves as being the religious elite and above everybody else, and nobody was as holy as they were, and they wanted to be seen. And they would stand up in their synagogues, and their motive, Jesus said, was to be seen by other people. So people would look and say, oh, wow, he is so holy they would even go out to the street corner and stand on the corner and pray sometimes for hours out loud not because they wanted to connect with god they wanted people to see and look at them and say look at how holy he was and jesus said here if that's your motive to be seen by other people praying then you got your reward buddy people saw you that's it but Jesus encourages us here to spend time alone. When he says, go into your room, some translations say go into your closet. But what he's saying here is get alone by yourself and connect with God and pray to God. Spend time in prayer and seeking his will, not seeking your will. Come to him to have this prayer uh, this, this heart and understand my relationship and seeking his will for my life now he goes on to say don't be like the pagans do you know they would memorize these big long prayers and to go out and pray to all kinds of gods and think that somehow by the memorization of these long prayers they could manipulate God or their gods to do certain things for them. Jesus is saying that's not what it's all about Uh, it's, It's not about that. Prayer is just honest, open conversation with God, and God really desires that you get alone with Him and spend some time praying to Him. Now look down at verse 9. Jesus said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What I want you to see about that is that prayer is not about us, but rather about a faith relationship with Him, with God. You know, uh, at another time, Jesus prayed. This, was, was praying And his disciples came and said, "'Lord, teach us to pray.'" This is in Luke chapter 11. And Jesus gave the same prayer. And he told them, notice what it says, how to pray, not what to pray. I remember one of my kids coming home from Sunday school uh, years ago when they were little and real proud. I don't even remember which one it was. "'Dad, we memorized the Lord's Prayer today.'" I said, "'Well, say it for me.'" And, you know, he said it almost perfectly perfectly. And then I said, okay, what does it mean? Well, 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 I I, I don't know what it means. And I said, well, the main point is you think about those words and what do they mean. If you don't know what it means, then you're just spitting out. You're doing what Jesus said not to do. Don't think that by your many words, you're going to cause God to move. God wants some sincere prayer because we have this relationship with him notice how he dresses God father now you may not have had a good relationship with your father but God is the ultimate example of the good father and that's the way he wants you to come to him as a father as a loving father a good father he wants you to know that you can come with that kind of relationship. In fact, in Mark fourteen thirty six, Jesus addressed God as Abba, Father. Now, Abba is an intimate relationship term that is in the Aramaic language, which is probably the language that Jesus spoke back in the first century. Many of the Jews spoke Aramaic. And Abba is kin to our word that we would sometimes use for our father, Papa or Daddy, it's more uh, intimate term. And Jesus is saying, look, you can come before God as Abba, Father. There's this closeness, this, this realization of a love relationship that you can have with Him. Paul uses that word two times in his writing, even saying that we can cry out to God for mercy and for help in our time of need. So, we can have this closeness with god it's about this amazing relationship that we are to have with our heavenly father and notice the topics that he talks about first of all the focus is is on god you know it begins with our father who art in heaven and also it's it's about his desires it goes on to say your will be done not my will your will be done in heaven as it is on earth. And then there's some request for various things, uh, the basic needs, give us our daily bread. And there's help there. It help for dealing with it says debt. That's a translation of the Greek word used here over in the Luke chapter 11 version of that. It uses a different Greek word that has to do with trespasses or sins. In other words, you can ask God to to help you dealing with your sin and forgive you of your sin. And there are other topics that you can bring up that we see in the Scripture. Uh, Other places in the Scripture, it talks about coming before God and asking for His wisdom, asking for healing, asking for guidance and provision for certain areas or certain needs that you have, praying for other people. God wants you to communicate with Him when you come before Him. You know, I heard about this little boy that was uh, saying his goodnight prayers. He got down on his knees, folded his hands, and he was praying in silence. And his, his dad was watching him pray. And he was so impressed with the little boy. And then the little boy started laughing real big in the middle of the prayer. And he said, son, why are you doing that? Why would you laugh? And he said, well, you said prayer was like communication with God. And so I told God a joke. Now, I don't know if we should be telling God jokes. You know, He knows them all anyway. Okay? And I think He's a God of laughter as well. But we should be serious when we pray. We should really come before Him and have a serious conversation with Him, thinking about and expecting that great things will happen through our prayers. Now look at verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So we should come before Him with the right attitude. You know, first of all, our attitude should be one of humility. You think about it, you know, though we call Him our Father who is in heaven and He wants us to have this close relationship, He's still the creator of the universe. You realize that? He's the all-powerful God. He brought you into this world. He can take you out. He is, he is the all-knowing God of the universe. You can't fool Him. You can't lie to Him. Well, you can, but it won't matter. He knows the truth. He is ever-present in our lives. There are some theological terms I'm going to put up here that, that talk about those things. Uh... Omnipotent means all-powerful. Omniscient means all-knowing. Omnipresent means He's always available. He's everywhere. God is there with you. And He is not just somebody we make jokes at. He is a God that we should be serious about our prayer time with Him and think about what we're asking. And one of the big things for God is forgiveness. Listen, He forgave you. He sent his own son to die on a Roman cross that his blood would be shed to pay the penalty for our sins. And the Bible says that through faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, we are saved. His blood paid the penalty for our sins. That's how big God is on forgiveness. He was willing to sacrifice his own son. But God wants us to forgive other people as well. He wants us to not hold people's past sins against us, uh, against them. And he's serious about that. Jesus told a parable in Matthew chapter 18 called the parable of the unmerciful servant. And in that parable, there was a servant that he was forgiven a great debt that he owned the king, but he would not forget a, a smaller debt that one of his fellow countrymen owed him. And the king found out about it and the king, king throwed him in jail and had him tortured. And Jesus closes that parable and said, you'll be like that unmerciful servant if you're not forgiving in your heart in that you will be tortured. It will be torture if you don't forgive. God wants us to be forgiving. So we've got to come with this humble attitude before God And no matter how hard it might be, we humble ourselves and we are obedient to our Heavenly Father. So I want you to think for just a minute about what we've covered here. First of all, God expects us to pray. In fact, He calls us to be a praying people. It's about a relationship. It's about a conversation where we get to know God. Now, you know conversation is a two-way street. And I'm going to say more about that in just a minute. You, You pray to God, but you listen to God. And it's about having the right attitude, being humble before Him and coming with that, forgiving, uh, that forgiveness in your heart. I want to give you an acrostic that will help guide your prayers. This doesn't come out of the Bible. Somebody developed this, but it really helps in organizing the way you pray so you can cover all the bases that Jesus covers here in, in, uh, in this prayer on how to pray. And he uses the word prayer, P-R-A-Y, pray, I'm sorry. And it starts with praise. And that is just to lift up his goodness and thank him. Just, just our Father, hallowed be your name. That means holy be your name. And we come before him recognizing who he is. You know, that's a big part of prayer. It gets everything in perspective when we think, I'm talking with the creator of the universe. And then the R stands for repent. That is, look inside yourself and confess your shortcomings to God. Over and over again in his writings, the Apostle Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Repentance means to tell God you're sorry for things that you've done, but it also has the aspect of turning away from those sinful things and trying to go the way of God. And then ask Bring your request before Him. God wants to know what's on your mind. He wants to know the request you have. But when you you bring request to God, think about your motive. Are you like the Pharisees? Is it all about you? you? Do you want to be seen by people? Do you want to are you greedy? Do you want just what you want? No, that's not our motive. Our motive should be to glorify God. What do I need in my life to glorify God? And how can God be glorified? You know, when you ask for healing for somebody, that's not about you. That's about what God might do. And, and when He heals somebody, we want to make sure that God gets the glory for that. Or when He provides something for you, you want to make sure God gets the glory as we have prayed about that. And then the Y stands for yield. That is, we yield to God's will for our lives you know what that requires listening to God I know so often we're tempted we go before God and we say okay God here I'm going to pray this laundry list bless Joe and bless Sally and, and bless me and so and uh, so sick and, and I need money to make this payment and I need a new car and, I, and you know we give him this list of things that we want him to do amen see you later God no you're not done until you listen Because how's God going to answer your prayer if you don't listen? And he may put a thought in your mind that tells you, go see so-and-so. There's where your answer's going to come. Or call the church. Or talk to your Sunday school teacher. Or he may lead you to a scripture that's going to help you with the answer that you need. And so we yield to him. Then we are obedient to what God tells us to do. That's a big part of prayer is being obedient to what He guides us to do. I want to tell you something. These are difficult times. And all throughout our community, there are people in our community who are lonely, and they're in isolation, and they're helpless, and they're filled with sin, and maybe they don't know how to overcome any of that. That's why this pray and go is going to be so important. Because we're going to put these door hangers on some doors and it's going to touch somebody and they're going to say, there's a church that cares. And I'm going to say it, I think I said it, but I'll say it again. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And by showing them that we care enough to be bold enough to put a door hanger on their door and say, look, I'm praying for you. I think about you. Next week, we'll give you some instructions that'll help you how to pray with people. People are going to be impressed by that. And hopefully, and we know that the Spirit is going to work and maybe help those people who have all those issues look for answers. And we might just be a catalyst to move them to the Lord. At least we'll let them know that there's somebody that cares. It gives them an email address on there where they can send a a prayer request if they have a specific prayer request that they want to be mentioned. And maybe, just maybe, some people will connect with Jesus because of our prayers and our efforts to get the Word out. Here's our connection. Pray and go is going to be successful. If pray and go is going to be successful, we have to start with prayer. So I want you to begin to bring this before the Lord. Bring... Before the Lord, Lord, help us, help this Pray and Go campaign to be successful. Lead the people of our church to do this, to pray and go out and put door hangers out. And next week, we'll talk about the power of prayer and specific ways to pray for each household. As I close today, I want to tell you the story about John Dickinson. John Dickinson, when he was in high school, he lived... In Australia, today he is a Christian author and, and Christian speaker in Australia, and he has a, a pretty good ministry there and written a number of Christian books. But when he was 15 years old, he was lost. But in Australia, during that time, back many years ago, churches could have a person come in and teach a class on Scripture at the high schools. And this lady named Glenda came into his high school and taught a simple uh, prayer a, a, a study about Scripture. And she came in and started teaching. Some of the kids went to this group, this class. And then after a couple of weeks, Glenda said, I tell you what, you guys can come, and uh, if you come to my house after school, we can talk a little more about the Scriptures, and I'll feed you. And John Dickinson and several of his friends said, Food, I'm in. And so they went to Glenda's house, and she fed them very well. And this went on for a number of weeks. And she began to make relationships with these kids and teach them the Scriptures. And before long, they began to say, You know, there's something to this Scripture. When you understand it and you see the message that, that God is trying to bring to His people. And so they got very interested and they continued to come. One night, a group of guys that were in this group decided they were going to spend the night out, and, and they did, but one of those kids uh, got some alcohol, and he got very intoxicated. And they knew that if they took him home, his dad was a strict military guy, that there was going to be some terrible things happen to that kid, and I'm not going to go into to what could have happened. But they said, What do we do with this kid? And they said, Let's take him to Glenda's house. So they took him to Glenda's house. She was finishing up a party of adults at her house, and they paraded through her living room, and she took them in, took them, told him to get him in the shower, clean him up, gave him some clothes, and they gave him a bedroom, and the kids left. The next morning, they went back to check on this kid. And there he was, recovered somewhat, sitting at her kitchen table, eating eggs and bacon. And John said that day, those kids realized the love that she had for them and the power that was in the Word of God because she began to teach them then from the Word of God the dangers of involving yourself with alcohol. And so she spent several of their next classes talking about that and, and made a difference in their lives. And before long, several of those kids in that group dedicated their lives to Jesus Christ John went on to become a minister of the gospel and John said when he graduated from college and seminary and all that and went out and started his ministry he thought to himself how do I reach people and Glenda came to mind and he said I need to go talk to Glenda about her program and and what she did her Bible study how she did it and so he he left and went to Glenda, and he said, "Glenda, I got to know what's the secret of how you reached us kids. You know, was it the, the scripture program you followed? Was it was it uh, whatever program? How you did it? What was the secret to it?" And she said this to him. She said, "You know, when we started that year of school, we were very discouraged because we hadn't reached many people for Christ." She said, "But that year." a bunch of us who were teaching the Scriptures decided to make it a year of prayer. We just pleaded with the Lord of the harvest to do something special. And we did. By the end of the year, there you all were confessing Jesus. For an activist like me, it was a poignant lesson. In the end, the harvest is God's. It's not mine. It's not about my creativity, it's not about my skill, it's God. We just have to bring our ministry to God and cry out to Him and He will give us success. And that's where we start with pray and go. If we'll simply pray and ask God to be involved in this program and these efforts, I think He'll honor that. And so we're going to talk next week about the power of prayer and then we'll talk about uh, the call for us to go and, and reach people for Christ. Let's pray. God, I do want to come before you and begin this campaign with prayer. Lord, it's not a campaign to raise money. It's a campaign to reach people and to let people know that we are a church that cares and cares enough to pray for them and let them know that we are praying for them. And Lord, that we want to see people in our community turn their lives to God. We want to see people who are unchurched find the church home, whether it be our church or another church. At least some way we can be a catalyst to help them turn to you. So we pray, Father, for this campaign that you will guide us and direct us. I pray that you be for everybody who will be involved in this to give them your spirit to guide them and help them to know the path that they should take. We pray all this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.